0: It's Thursday, February fourteenth. Welcome to Market Foley. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool One, Jason Moser, and from Motley Fool Hidden Gems, Chief Investment Officer Andy Cross. Happy Valentine's Day, guys! Happy Valentine's Happy Day! Valentine's Day. I feel Day. I'm kind of
1: festive in my pink. Yeah, you you're wearing the pink. You're, you're wearing the pink my the... girls noticed it this morning. Actually, they were like, There's "Did tomorrow. you wear that because it was Valentine's Day?" I said, "No, but now, nah, yeah, I mean, yes, yet yeah, now I am." No, yes. see,
0: that's when you lie to your yeah. kids. And you're like,
1: yeah, "Yes, it was so that was early is in the morning. I had not had my coffee yet. I, if I was a little bit more alert, I could have." Probably gotten away with it.
0: But. All right, let's soldier on. Uh, we've got a huge airline merger. We could start with that. We've, we've got Whole Foods earnings. We could start with that. Uh, but as the great Tony Kornheiser uh, says, uh, I'm, I'm going to borrow from his phrase uh, every once in a while the business news ferry <laughs> drops something in your lap. <laughs> and this morning the business news ferry <laughs> dropped the news that Berkshire Hathaway and 3G Capital are buying Heinz outright for more than $23 billion in cash. Shares of Heinz were trading at an all-time high, and Warren Buffett said, "Yeah, I'll, I'll pay a twenty percent premium on top of that." Uh, what do you make of the news? Who
2: said Buffett, value investor, like you know, paying all-time high prices for the uh, stocks? So, yeah. yeah. What is that? Uh, no, like, listen. Here's the deal. This is this is a story of Buffett's been looking for big, large acquisitions. It's really only a tenth of the market cap of of Berkshire Hathaway. I mean, it's it's in the big picture of things. It's relatively small, but it's the kind of acquisition that Buffett loves to go after. It's a great brand – global play. They do a ton of business in Europe and Asia as well as in the U.S. where they're most profitable. Um, brands that he recognizes, he's going to keep the management team in place. So to me, this is a story of they can borrow very cheaply. They can borrow with, partner with 3G Capital and make a big acquisition that he's looking for.
0: Yeah, Jason, to Andy's point there, I mean, Buffett's been saying for a long time now, like, hey, I, I got my elephant gun. I'm ready to go hunting. And we've been waiting for the big acquisition. This appears to be it.
1: Yeah, and I think the headline is it's easy to get focused on Berkshire Hathaway and Buffett in this deal, but I think it's also fair to say this is really just as big of a deal for 3G Capital as it is for Berkshire Hathaway. People just don't really know much about 3G Capital. When I don't you know anything about at you, them. Well, neither did I. But when I actually went in and looked to to look a little bit more into the into sort of their their investing philosophy, they are very much in line with with Buffett's uh, philosophy, of looking for undervalued companies with you know strong competitive advantages. The one difference I saw in there was that you know, uh, uh, 3G is typically looking at more of a timeline of two to four years and then letting go. Uh, but but like Buffett said, I mean, 3G, they're going to be the operators of this business. Buffett and Berkshire are more or less helping the financial side of it, but he's not going to play any part of the operations here. Uh, and it was interesting, I was listening to an interview with him earlier this morning, and he noted that he's had Heinz on his radar. He has a file going back to 1980. So he's been following this company for quite some time. And I think uh, – you know whether it was whether it was now or whether it was you know two years from now or something. I think it's something he's had his eye on for a while, and and maybe it's just uh, you know it was the right time to kind of get things in the mix there before he moves on to other yeah, things. Yeah,
2: and he and and Buffett. I mean, this deal is it shows that he's willing to pay a premium for for good, solid brands with with well entrenched management teams that have international plays, and he's going to pay the price that he wants to pay for that.
0: I do find it kind of comical that you, you don't have to look very far. Online for people who are questioning Buffett's wisdom. I mean, you you mentioned the premium that he's paying on this, and you have people out there as as though Buffett has no track record. As he says, this is you know like this is his first rodeo. It's like, yes, let's go back and look at the Burlington Northern acquisition where people are like, why is he paying all that money for a railroad? Uh, someone brought up uh, even when he bought a 6% stake in Coca-Cola back yeah. in the 80s people are like what is he doing yeah. he's crazy yeah. um it's well, and he's not infallible i mean you have to you have to look back to the the investment
1: in Dexter, I think, shoes that really didn't yeah. pan out so well. But let's not forget this this Heinz acquisition. It's not just about the ketchup. I mean, these guys have tater tots too. Yeah, That's right. a big
2: deal. <laughs> and the combination of tater tots and ketchup is the real magic. I mean, now you're talking. <laughs> that is what there the was some barbecue sauce in there and you got
0: something special. Let me, let me mention something that our, our colleague, Charlie Travers, mentioned to me this morning when we were talking about this deal. Because Buffett, they made this deal. He also was very quick to say, hey, look, we've got enough cash on the balance sheet. I can go bag another elephant. And Charlie Travers looked at that and said, kind of looks like he's spending the kid's inheritance. Like at some point, Buffett's going to step down and someone's going to take over at Berkshire Hathaway. Do you think there's something to it? In this sense, do you think that his top lieutenants are looking at this that they're really excited? Or do you think secretly inside, if we can drug them with truth serum, they're thinking, no, we, 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 we wanted to spend that money. <laughs>
1: I think that if you are doubting Warren Buffett's capability to take money and turn it into more money, then you ought to go back and check yourself. Uh, now with that said, it is fair to say, I mean, a question was asked of him earlier. Uh, you know, a lot of times you'll see an acquisition like this. And with Heinz, they have a number of different brands under that umbrella. And the question was, will he use this as sort of a roll-up vehicle to bring more brands under that umbrella? And while he didn't dismiss it, he didn't necessarily, he didn't necessarily say they would, but he didn't necessarily say they wouldn't either. He, he did acknowledge the possibility. So, he very well may be looking for some other type of consumer discretionary or consumer good to bring into this uh, into this family of brands, so to speak. So this may not be this may not be the last we hear.
2: And Buffett has said that Berkshire is as much an operating company now and runs large companies like Burlington Northern that you mentioned, Chris. Yeah. So so these kind of companies, and you have to think about in a few years how much cash they will continue to pile up into the Berkshire family Berkshire Hathaway family, right. and putting that capital to use, his lieutenants, his, his, uh, the folks who inherit Berkshire Hathaway will have plenty of capital to use and to put into um, other companies and other investments over the next decade.
1: And just one more thing to piggyback off of what we were talking about yesterday with Burger King and their new coffee offerings, 3G Capital actually owns about 70% of the shares outstanding in Burger King today. So now you got Burger King and Tater Tots. <laughs> I think
0: mean, I'd rather have the Tater Tots Syner- in just a <laughs> you yeah. totally. You're talking synergies over here. I want to get to, I want to wrap up on the stock in just a second. But um, John Kerry, the Secretary of State of the United <laughs> States, makes an annual salary of $186,600. He's also married to Teresa Hines, who Owns about twelve percent of the Heinz company. Is anybody having a better twenty thirteen so far <laughs> than John Kerry? He gets he gets nominated. He's appointed Secretary of State, and now he already had more money that he could spend. Now it's more on top of that. Well,
2: you know, he did the whole presidential thing, kind of. You know, didn't quite work out for the right. guy.
0: So, like, he would do something.
2: Like, give you know, it's Valentine's Day.
0: Give and a little Teresa, love to to this senator. I'm
1: not worth a billion dollars, Heinz. I mean, that's what they label her at right today. With this deal, was about a billion.
0: Yeah. Um, Berkshire Hathaway stock is now trading at an all-time high. When you guys look at it, given everything you've said about Buffett, the way he operates, the cash that this company expects to generate – is this a fairly valued stock right now, or is it a little rich?
2: I'm announcing a 20% premium buyout of Berkshire Hathaway at <laughs> all-time highs here. No, um, I, I, I do, not, don't, do not think it's it's premium price. I think um, this is a kind of company, it's a core stock for us and Stock Advisor. Um, it has multiple uh, ways for shareholders to benefit with Buffett and even without Buffett. So I, I think this is a, is a core position for anyone's portfolio
1: yeah I agree. I mean, I own shares personally, and I think that you know when people ask me about buying stocks versus buying index funds or mutual funds, I, I almost every time think that I would go for something like Berkshire Hathaway over any other fund because you're essentially getting the same thing with a company and a culture that's already proven out and to stand the test of time, so big bull yeah.
0: You can always email us, radio com is our email address, Radio dot Uh got an email the other day from Benti Abraham in Arizona. He writes, do you think it's worth investing in airline stocks? Pressing, no. A prescient email – well, we'll get to the stocks in a second <laughs> – but a prescient email when you consider that uh, today U.S. Airways and AMR, which is the parent company of American Airlines, have agreed to an $11 billion merger that will result in the largest airline in the world. What do you think of this? I mean, I I think it's, uh, you know, spoiler alert, none of us are big fans of airline stocks. But it seems like when you look at the money involved here and just sort of the way that this deal is going to affect consumers, what goes through your mind when you see something like this, Jason? Because right now, with this deal, four airlines in the United States are going to control effectively 87% of the market.
1: Yeah. And I mean, honestly, I think that's okay. I mean, airlines, to me, really, in all honesty, are just a commodity good. I don't really give a hoot what airline I'm flying. I'm just going to Priceline trying to get a ticket right. Uh, So we've seen over the past couple of years, Southwest and Airtran. uh, You saw Delta sign that agreement with Virgin Atlantic to get that space over in London Heathrow. Uh, So it's no surprise to see the airline industry consolidating. And that's really what it has to do, because otherwise you have these small players out there that just go bankrupt. It ends up costing everybody a lot more money. And those those costs end up going out to to passengers like us so the thing that we have to look out for obviously is is the uh I don't, want to, I don't want to accuse anyone of collusion or even thinking about it, but you'd hate, you'd hate to have a situation where they all kind of try to get in there and do some price fixing. But, you know, the consolidation in the airline industry is no surprise at all.
2: The fact that there are two great quotes about the airline industry business. Um, one from Warren Buffett has said that if he had been at Kitty Hawk at the time that the Wilbur brothers were invading the plane, he would have shot them down. The Wright um, brothers. The Wright brothers. Thank you. Not the Wilbur brothers. The Wright brothers. And the second one is the famous one. if he, The quickest way to become a millionaire is to become a billionaire and buy an airline. Yeah. So um, the, this Business is it's so capital intensive. Yeah. Um, there are limited amount of players. You have to leverage up your balance sheets to be able to afford all the planes. And it's a very like 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 Jason said. It's, it tends to be a commoditized business. The profitability is all on the business side. The business traveler. Although I will say, you know, AMR stock did very well last year, and they are now stuffing those planes with more and more people. So. There are signs of hope for the airline business, but it's just a very tough way to make a living I wouldn 't want to run an airline put it that way,
1: and yeah, we also live in a in a day and age today where I mean there's more telecommuting now than ever before, and I mean the technology is just getting better and better so that you know people are not finding the need to travel so much unless it 's for something like a vacation but if it's if it's business related we know a lot of these airlines really do focus on that business class customer uh, they're just not having to travel as much either
0: so. one of the uh, Uh, ripple effects of this uh, is when you looked at the CNBC had a map this morning of of the hubs that these two airlines and now as one entity that they control, uh, effectively control. And I mean, we're talking about O'Hare Airport in Chicago, LAX, LaGuardia, I mean, just massive hubs all over the country. Um, And one ripple effect of this could be that regulators are going to force them to give up some terminal space to smaller players like a JetBlue, like a a Southwest Airline, that kind of thing. Does that – Make it uh, a slight net positive for those stocks, or is it, or is it really kind of a wash when you consider just how strong, potentially strong, these large airlines are going to be?
1: You're talking about is that a, is that a net benefit for the Jet smaller players? for the smaller
0: ones? For- I mean, it could
1: be, but I mean, again, at the end of the day, I think that's for someone who's really making it a point to find you know a fair <clears throat> or something like that from a JetBlue. The fact is, when you have these airlines consolidate like they are, they're going to have more flights, more options. You know, every single day, and so you're going to be able to get get a hold of that without having to really worry about these smaller players. I, I don't know that they're going to really benefit or or be hindered by it. I think it's going to be more or less the status quo.
2: Look, if you're looking to benefit from the from the airline industry, there are ways to play this from an investing side. A company like Precision Cast Parts, which is a recommendation that Stock Advisor provides, highly engineered parts for airline companies. Transdime, same thing. And Hidden Gems and Stock Advisor recommendation, they provide uh, parts to airplanes. There are numerous ways to play this that are better than the airline company.
0: Whole Foods' first quarter profit rose 24 percent, and same-store sales rose more than 7 percent. Jason, those look like pretty good numbers, and yet the stock is down more than 9 percent this morning.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, Whole Whole Foods has been a richly priced stock, or at least the perception is it's been richly priced here for a long time. Now, they've been doing very well, but I think they're running into a situation now where they have to really – sort of up their game. They have a very competitive space here, and pricing becomes a big issue. And so there's some concerns about margins getting squeezed, some concerns about traffic uh, for for this coming year. And when you have that kind of, of concern with a stock that is is priced for some really uh, positive expectations, you see a pullback like this. Now, I, I think that That said, I mean, I think this is still a business with a lot of room to grow. I mean, they have around 345 stores now, and and Mackey thinks there's room for around 1,000 stores. And so if you look at it from that perspective, they're only about a third of the way there. But by the same token, you have your other stores like Wegmans out there, for example, and, and Wegmans I think is a great example of a store that's just perfect for that crossover consumer—someone who's looking to maybe get the organic peanut butter and the organic bread, but also wants to get his diet coke and Cheetos too. I'm not referring to any of my buying habits. I was market. just gonna say. I mean, you know, but but I think you know that's something you can't really do at Whole Foods, right? And so Whole Foods is now having to sort of chase after those uh, those consumers as well and I think there may be some concern there that they're having to kind of change their vision a little bit and offer more of those types of items to bring more of those crossover consumers in. And if there's some some concern about that then maybe uh, you know the market is is a little bit scared
0: about what the what the company management might be thinking. Andy, do you think in some way And Whole Foods stock has been on a great run the last few years, but do you think, in in some small way, they're a little bit of victims of their own success? Because I think that there are some people out there who look at Whole Foods completely differently and and essentially forget that at its core, this is a grocery store. This is it's an incredibly well-run and seemingly (laughs) profitable grocery store, but. The best grocery store business in the world doesn't necessarily equal the kind of growth opportunities for investors that some other areas would.
2: Well, I tell you, if you're investing in Whole Foods because you're in, you like grocery stores, you, that's the wrong way to invest in Whole Foods. Obviously, so this is a story of um, uh, visionary leadership in John Mackey, who is doing trying to do great things for stakeholders, not just shareholders. Stakeholders, which are employees, customers, shareholders, suppliers, the, the up and down the chain. So, um, and they've done that for so many years. The story now what we're seeing is that the same store sales number of 7.2 percent was their lowest in a few quarters, and they typically are above 8 percent. And furthermore, the trends are going against them. So investors are seeing that, and then there's conversation that they may have to um, go into some price competitive uh, mode that's going to affect margins. So when you see sales going, potentially sales going down and margins going down, investors hate that. However, I will say that Whole Foods – They've, they've gone – this is not John Mackey's first rodeo. He is, they've gone through these kind of evolution challenges before. I think pullbacks in the, in the stock price like this is very interesting for investors. And personally, I, I was thinking about this would be a good time to enter Whole Foods as an investment as well as for me to go get some lunch this afternoon. <laughs>
1: Yeah. I mean, we've talked a little bit before about how they, they're expanding their private label uh, offerings. I mean, really, that that 365 uh, you know private label offering that they have, they're bringing more of those into the store to offer consumers more affordable options so that you don't have to feel like you're going in there and, spell your, and, and spending your whole paycheck. They've,
0: but those things are more profitable. Are, uh, am I correct that those items are more profitable for Whole Foods than others? Well,
1: they can be. But it's still – it's a matter of whether consumers are going to find the same kinds of deals at Whole Foods versus maybe finding something else at just a regular standard grocery store. And I guess the concern there is that if you start seeing more of those private label goods come into Whole Foods, is it not something that you could just get that same thing at another store? And so you know, that's what Whole Foods has to deal with is traffic concern.
2: And you see that all over the place in D.C. Like uh, the Safeways, the Giants, they're spending a lot of time and money to try to get their whole organic offering, copycat a little bit of Whole Foods. I think what Whole Foods does so well is on the operation side to be able to get customers in what they want. And get them out in a reasonable, timely manner. And I just don't feel that at other Whole Foods. I think that's a competitive edge of Whole Foods. And I think if they continue to offer those uh, products for their consumers, they will continue to win over time. And they can do that in more and more markets. As Jason said, they as they continue to grow and expand even overseas. I was in the London Whole Foods two years ago, and it was booming.
0: Um, One last thing in terms of the way that they operate, and this is based on the Whole Foods, which is right down the street from us here in in Old Town Alexandria. Um, They have, as far as I can tell methodically built out the offerings at that location. The, without changing the footprint, without expanding the footprint, they now have events. So every Wednesday is a, like a wine club that goes on in there for a couple hours in the night. Um, to, and that must have been successful because they ended up building a bar. There's a bar in the Whole Foods. And I'm wondering if that's a blueprint for – every location they have or just in more urban areas? Well, I
1: think you're keying in on really what is a competitive advantage of theirs and what it has ever since the really the inception of Whole Foods. It's not just the organic and better for you foods, but it's the experience. I mean, there, there is a notable difference when you go into a Whole Foods versus something like a Safeway. And so I think they're going to continue to build that out. I think you're going to see more and more of that kind of uh, of thing in, in virtually every Whole Foods store because they're trying to woo you right from the very get-go so that when you go into a Whole Foods, you walk out of there saying, wow, I, I, I just can't shop any other way. Yep.
2: And I think we should have market foolery at the bar at Whole Foods at least sometime. If they really want, once a quarter, I think. If they really want
0: idea. to woo me, they'll start serving bourbon yeah. at the bar. Yeah. Uh,
2: and, yeah, and tater tots from <laughs> Heinz slash Berkshire Hathaway.
0: Andy Cross, Jason Moser, guys, thanks for being here. Thanks. The market is closed on Monday. Housekeeping note uh, it's President's Day here in the States, so uh, we will be back on Tuesday. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hell. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Tuesday.